0: So it's a transcontinental edition of Should Have Backed It This Week, literally and figuratively, uh, as we look ahead to Royal Ascot. But before we get there, we've got some big talking points from last weekend, so let's
1: get straight into it. Uh, Our punting expert, Philip Georgios, how are you? I'm fantastic, John, but I don't think I'm going as well as you are, mate, over there in Sweden, I understand.
0: Yeah, I'll get to that shortly. We'll fill, fill the listeners in on that. And then now uh, our racing expert uh, of News Corp fame, Chris the Big V Venuccio. Big V, how are you?
2: Hello, John. I'm expecting a, a postcard. I remember in uni you were a prolific postcard sender when you were overseas.
1: I actually think that extended beyond uni just quietly, Big V. But uh, well, yeah, I'm looking forward to mine as well.
0: Well, that's put the pressure on the host from the get-go, hasn't it? All right, guys, let's uh, get into it. So should have backed it and should have sacked it is where we start. Phil, we'll get yours from last weekend.
1: Yeah, well, my should have backed it this week. I'll go to the Stradbroke, mate. I know we discussed the the race in detail uh, in last week's pod, but think about it at the end of the day. I think it started $3.60, ended up being a very backable price. Had come down five kilograms on its last performance and yeah, we'll discuss it later during the segment, but it was a really dominant win in the end. I think now has won 9 of 10 and I think is in the conversation. I'm interested in Big V's view on this as well um, as one of Australia's best horses uh, alongside maybe Giga Kick and I Wish I Win. Um, For my should have sacked it, we'll go back to race two. It's not actually a horse I backed, but I think on behalf of those that did, uh, Yellow Brick at a dollar thirty-five seemed to be a little bit of a... Uh, a a bad bet I guess in the end got too far back from barrier three and I know Big V has some views on that as well but you know some did question the ride of Benny Thompson but it certainly flew home but at $1.35 you didn't get uh, value for your money there. Uh, Big V. Yeah I was all
2: over think about it so pretty happy with that result but anyway my should have backed it I'm going with Iona Merck at Randwick race four. just the presence of Kibu just worried me out. I think Kibu's the better horse, but Iona Merck had the the fitness. And I should have sacked it. I'm going with Lethal Thoughts. Paid a decent price. Pulled up with a a throat issue to start before when I was on it. Uh, But I just think, um, you know, this campaign, he's had the five starts. He's only won the the one. He's been out of the placings in the other four. So, you know, maybe that that win was maybe just a a one-off for this prep and maybe not the horse you can rely on.
0: All right, gentlemen, we'll crack on to the review of Queensland, where the main action was last weekend. We'll start with the Stradbroke, the big handicap up there, One by Think About It, good effort to continue its winning streak. Phil, what did you make of the race?
1: Yeah, well, uh, you may not have heard because you yeah, dropped out there over in Sweden, but I actually had to think about it as my should have backed it for the for the weekend. as I said, I think really now in the conversation, it's one of Australia's best horses, given its ongoing performances and getting the job done there again in the Stratty. I thought there was some pretty good runs in behind. I think Rothfire in particular was very strong in for second. Um, And off a a slow speed, Ruthless Dame really did back up its previous win and and Converge as well, I thought, came home pretty well. So, yeah, look, obviously all honours to the winner and, you know, we're looking forward to seeing it line up up against some of our best sprinters in the Everest in the spring, I'd say.
2: At the moment, I've got Giga Kick, and I wish I win well ahead of Think About It. But the, the thing is, uh, with the with Think About It, is he just improves every race. And, and I was really keen on him here. I heard a lot of people say he was too short, but he did tick a lot of boxes in this race. You know, he was he was going to run out the 1,400 metres. The track conditions were in his favour. He had the race shape going for him and he's a horse that just wins and he just and he always looked comfortable in the run and but take nothing away from converge he was outstanding with the ground he made up and the same with ruthless dame who should be a contender for the tats tiara
0: the other big race on the card Well, at least in terms of prestige, was the Group 1 JJ Atkins for the 2-year-olds. I have no doubt all our regular listeners were thinking of me when Miracle of Love was uh, bailing down the straight and nearly got in. I had it uh, at at juicy futures odds, but just didn't get the job done. The honours go to King, Colorado, uh, and I suspect we're going to see a lot more of that horse in uh, its 3-year-old season. Chris, we might start with you here, and gents, if you've got anything else that you liked in Queensland on the weekend, feel free to lob that up after this.
2: Well, with the JJ Atkins, I'm a bit wary of this race going into the spring with these two-year-olds turning to three-year-olds. In hindsight, it was a race that was there for the taking from something from left field. I think some of that lead-up form, that main lead-up form wasn't too strong. And King Colorado's come out of a, a Kembla Grange maiden. And I read that, He's the so, and I read that King Colorado is only the second two-year-old to win a Group One off a last-start maiden, and the uh, the other horse is one of yours, John, I believe, El Dorado Dreaming, winning the 2018 size. So that's a, a bit of trivia there. Uh, it was well back, forty-one into fourteen dollars. So a lot of people jumped on, and I, I heard you know there might have been ninety-one dollars around uh, for it. So it was a, a good go. Um, but I think there's not too much to get excited about from this field.
1: I guess in terms of other races for the day, I'm still uh, licking my wounds a little bit with one of my best bets, uh, Opal Ridge in the last, but we won't go into too much detail there other than to say uh, sitting four wide the trip does make it a little bit challenging, but I guess also a punting lesson around you know, choosing horses that do get those wide gates and and want to get forward in running, um, but the one I was interested in, Big V, and I think probably the run of the day for me. I know, think about it, might have a case to argue there, but uh, was without a fight in the Q twenty two. I just. You know, it's come from near last and circled the field and really put them away. It's a, it's a horse we've discussed on this show before uh, in the context of Caulfield Cups and, you know, its last start win. And, yeah, you know, both one of our best bets of the day as well. But um, I was interested, Big V. Obviously, you'll have some views on the race. But uh, last week on the podcast, you didn't fulfill me with a huge amount of confidence around without a fight when I mentioned it uh, in the preview. And uh, it ended up being one of your best bets. So I'm interested in what sort of uh, got you on that t- turned you into that direction in the end.
2: When I was going through the form, I mean, you looked at you know, in the Melbourne Cup, it was a $12 chance, and you look at the rest of the field and you go, Well, what are these other runners going to be in a Melbourne Cup? and Jewess was $21 and you're Mary and $61, and you think, Oh, you know, what would Weta be as well? So oh, I just thought, you know, it should have the class on this field, and if it runs flat, well, that's the, the that's you know. The risk you take, but um, so I decide, I think you know, three dollars around that that mark was a good enough price to have a look. And and I think he should be favoured for the Caulfield Cup. I think he's a superior horse to Kovalika. He's his favourite now for the or co-favourite for the Cox Plate. I think maybe the thirty-two hundred. He may not be strong over that distance in the Melbourne Cup. So maybe he could go for the Caulfield Cup Cox Plate double this year. And just one last point from Eagle Farm is that I thought the other big performer was Antino and I think this is a horse we can get excited about in the spring carnival you know maybe you know, I think a, a race like the Group 1 Turak Handicap would be a, a really good target for this horse
0: All well said gentlemen now we will move on to the next section of the show this show is a little bit different for a couple of reasons Uh, Firstly, as the boys have alluded, I'm actually presenting or hosting from Sweden where I'm here for a friend's wedding. Unfortunately, there's no Swedish midweek races, so I couldn't get along and take a photo for you guys and tell you what it's all about. I did have a look. I know that. uh, I know that the guys on Get On have a lot of fun at the expense of a uh, harness racing caller over here, but uh, I don't think I'm going to take time out from this trip to go and check out Swedish harness racing. So uh, the other the other thing that's different this week, we're sort of finished with all the group ones. There's one left in Queensland in a couple of weeks' time, but the big focus racing uh, na- nationwide this week is actually Royal Ascot. So we're going to look ahead to the Royal Ascot Carnival uh, next. Next. We'll get to the participating horses in a moment, but just to set the scene... Uh, the, the way that the, uh, Ascot carnival works, it's five straight race days. So over here we have the Flemington carnival where it's four race days in a week, but this is five consecutive days from Tuesday to Saturday. It's next Tuesday as the time of recording. So I think what would that be? The, uh, the 20th through to the 24th of June, they have five or six races every day over a range of distances and, uh, age groups and, and genders. And uh, they're all they're all feature races, black type races, uh, and uh, we tend to see Australians participating, in particular in the sprint races. There's one at the start of the carnival, the King's Stand Stakes, are over a thousand metres, and on the last day we have the Jubilee Stakes, often known as the Golden or the Platinum Jubilee, depending on how long. Uh, the queen's been around and she's not around anymore so it's got a new name again but uh that's the that's the last race and the other race that the Aussies tend to participate in um chris uh, is it fair to say uh that the the main reason we don't see them racing in the longer distance races is purely and simply that our, our stock and traders our sprinters and uh the english breed really good stayers so if we send our uh, our stayers over there it's a long way to go to come last
2: yeah i think that's pretty much hit uh it was disappointing that they didn't send animo over because i i just think um the heavy track the heavy tracks that he's had in the queen elizabeth stakes this year and last year were against him so it would have been good to have seen him go over and maybe get some some good ground over there but i just think um yeah we our sprinters are really strong and that's why we send them over
1: that, that's where we're going to do our most damage in these races. And we've seen, you know, not middle distance, but longer distances like the Melbourne Cup distance and Caulfield Cup distances are uh, really dominated by the European horses here. So it's, it's, it's unlikely that we'll see too many going back the other way and performing too well over over in Europe. But, yeah, it'd be nice to see. And as Big V said, uh, Animo was would have been really nice to see Animo over there, but obviously uh, the, the horse's welfare comes first.
0: 100% Okay, so the way we're going to do this, it is going to be a little bit different We're not previewing the races, there's a couple of reasons for that um, Final fields and things haven't been sorted yet But also, frankly, we're not English racing experts So we're going to focus on the four Australian horses that are participating And just to set set this up So we've got two horses signed up for the King's Stand Stakes next Tuesday Being Coolangatta and Cannonball and then the Jubilee Stakes at the end of the carnival is where Artorius and the astrologist are headed. And at this stage, Cannonball is also thinking of backing up. Of course, we can't, you know, know how it's going to go on Tuesday. And if it runs badly, you wouldn't think they'd, uh, they'd do that. So, but that's that. At the time of recording, that's the way it's going to play out. Now we'll start with Cool and Gutter, Phil. I'll get you to comment on Cool and Gutter first. A well-performed two-year-old Golden, uh, sorry, uh, Magic Millions winner. Uh, did largely race as a filly against wait-for-age company, which is why we haven't seen as many wins since then. But it's, uh, it's earned its place over in
1: London. How do you think it will go uh, up the Ascot Strait? Yeah, well, she's uh, definitely prob- um, our most high-profile uh- horse of the quartet that's going over this year and um, you know she's she obviously started favorite in a in a golden slipper um, and got and ran third in the end and has really come back as a three-year-old bigger and better and she'll she'll as you say compete in the the one the 1000 meter king stand which is right her pet distance she's a multiple group one winner at that distance including most recently the lightning stakes um So, yeah, she probably has the most upside. Probably is our boom horse, I guess, our marquee horse going over there. Uh, it was a little bit interesting, though, that she uh, we mentioned in the podcast a couple of weeks back that she did trial against Artorius and Cannonball and uh, didn't go as well as Connections had probably hoped at the time, and there was some question marks about whether they would get her over there, but by all reports, she's got over there in very good nick and is, uh, is, is uh, training up very nicely for the King Stand, which I believe is Wednesday, our time. Currently one of the favorites, I think at around $3.60, so... Probably holds the hope of the nation in terms of that race. I know we'll discuss Cannonball in a second and it's certainly in the market as well. But yeah, just that first up 1,000 metre, uh, really good opportunity to uh, you know fly the Australian flag, I think, in that race.
2: Well, she's an out-and-out she's, um, 1,000 out metre horse and, and I think that's probably why we hadn't seen her. Since the Lightning Stakes, where she beat I Wish I Win as well, so yeah, you know, she may not be a match for the likes of Giga Kick and I Wish I Win over twelve thousand, but you know, this is a thousand meter race. the The Ascot Straight is just a little bit tougher because it is uphill, so it's just you know whether she can hold on in that last fifty meters. I think a top three finish would be a great result for her. The
0: other horse you guys mentioned in there was Cannonball. It's scheduled to have a go at both races. Wouldn't have thought this was the highest profile uh, horse to end up over in the
1: UK. Phil,
0: Was that a fair comment?
1: Yeah, I, I said that Cool uh, and Gatter was the boom horse. I think this is probably the surprise packet of the quartet coming over. A three-year-old like Cool uh, and Uh just had the three wins and um, hasn't been out of cracker Group One yet, but did notably run a nice third in the Galaxy. Um, as I mentioned before, it was a horse that ma- smashed uh Kulangatta in a trial, but of course race conditions are a little bit different and how they've settled in as well, I think will be will be key to how they perform. I think as you mentioned off the top two, it's interesting that they do have a sort of a ideal view that it would run in the kingstand and then back up in the Jubilee. I guess we'll see. But uh I had a look at the market beforehand and you, you can get $7.50 about it for the for the Kingstand. Arguably a little bit short. Maybe we're getting Australian odds there. But, yeah, not not one of our bigger horses in terms of um, – or a horse that I expected to get sent over there. But, you know, we'll be uh, still cheering it on, I think.
2: Yeah, I'd be surprised if Cannonball wins because it's, it's very rare that we'd send – even though we've got really good sprinters over here, I think you've still got to be a Group 1 performer like we saw with Nature Strip last year and we're sending over a Group 3 winner – uh, it's interesting that the top three in betting for the King's Stand are mares or fillies, and then you've got Cannonball on the the fourth line of betting. So I wonder if that's maybe a sign of the strength of this race. So you know, not not knowing the you know the the form quite as well over there, you know, maybe he might be able to surprise if this is if this isn't a strong addition as as we've seen.
0: All right. Now, the next horse is the one I'm particularly uh, probably the most confident about, uh, Artorius. It did win a group one over 1,300 metres earlier in the Australian season, the Canterbury Stakes, if I'm not mistaken, uh, against a good field. And it's had a crack at the UK previously. So it's had some international exposure. Uh, you know, the 1,200 metres uphill probably
1: suits it. What are
0: you seeing here, Phil?
1: Yeah, I think you've taken the words out of my mouth with that one there. With their corps I think this is, um, you know, obviously a very well suited to Artorias. It's been there, done it before. Ran third in the Jubilee last year. You know, a twenty-four horse field running third. You know, really showed that it's it's up to this level and can do it. Um, you're right; it did come back and, and and had a great win in the in the Group One Canterbury Stakes here in Australia, and they've kept it really um, fresh and haven't over raced it. Uh, I I suppose in preparation for another tilt at the Jubilee this year, I believe it might even be favourite at this at this stage at about the three dollar sixty mark, and yeah, a really good chance in that race. And I think as you've both sort of said, the way that the the Royal Ascot course works with a little bit of an uphill towards the last sort of 150 would really suit Artoria. So, yeah, really looking forward to seeing this horse uh, hopefully get the job done this year.
2: There's a lot of confidence about him, and he was third in the race last year, only beaten the length, but I think this year's race doesn't look as strong. So, you know, that could play into his hands. He had that short autumn campaign, winning at 1,300, and he was only less than a length behind Animo over 1,500 in the George Ryder. So I think he'll be finishing strongly here at the 1,200. If he jumps cleanly, he's going to be very hard to beat.
0: Okay, and the last horse uh, is the wild card of the quartet, the Astrologist. It has been racing overseas already with some, some success. So, uh, Phil, what are you expecting here?
1: Yeah, it ran a nice second from, from memory, and uh, it's the oldest of the Travellers. I think it's a, a six-year-old, whereas the other two, are, other three are three- and four-year-olds, um, and probably goes into that Jubilee race that Artorias is in as a bit of an outsider, I think about $26 in the market. I don't believe it's actually cracked the Group 1 in its career, but it certainly runs some good races. I, I can remember a nice second in, in the new market behind Rocking Horse a couple of years back when it was a bit of a blowout chance. Um, yeah, probably don't give it the same chance as as some of our more credentialed horses, but you know it, it's a consistently performed horse in Australia, and you know probably deserves a bit of a shot over there to see what it can do, particularly if it can handle those conditions.
2: He's had two runs in England. And it was a lot better last week when he was second at Haydock, but that was a, that's a lot easier race than what he's going to meet here in the in the the Queen Elizabeth. But I think. Um... Obviously he doesn't have the same class as Artoria, so I think, you know, midfield finish might be the the best to expect with the astrologers.
0: And Chris, in a, in a couple of words, you notice any other interesting nominations uh on the over the carnival in Ascot?
2: Well, I think the the horse we should have a look at is on the the last day of the Saturday, with uh, last year's Melbourne Cup favourite Doville Legend running in the Hardwick Stakes, and there's a big possibility that he'll be back for this year's Melbourne Cup. So I think, you know, we should keep track of how he goes from now until the Melbourne Cup because I thought that was a, a big run last year, you know, with the, the, the wet track and, you know, let's see if he's a, a much bigger and stronger horse and, you know, maybe we might get our money back with him this this year in the Cup.
0: Final furlong time, gents, Uh, with Ascot in mind, it's important that we uh, cover off our favourite Ascot memories. Uh, I'll I'll give you mine. Uh, I am going to be a bit different here. We normally win sprinting races in in Australia, but I do remember Harada Sun winning up the straight uh, over 1,600 metres, which I thought was pretty cool. And I feel like if Harada Sun's stud career had been a bit more successful, we would talk about that win a lot more than we do. But uh, I think I have a rough idea where you guys are going to go with this. So we'll go to you, Phil, first.
1: Yeah, well, the obvious is black caviar, right? I think it was one of the few times that people legitimately stayed up to watch these races and cheer on. I remember seeing scenes in Federation Square, for example, where tens of thousands of people were watching. and. We certainly all had our hearts in our mouth for that last little bit, and we talked about the uh, slide uphill at the end of the Ascot Strait. <laughs> um, I think uh, when Luke Nolan dropped his hands for, uh, for uh, that last little bit, <laughs> Black Caviar didn't quite want to get up that hill as uh, quickly as he might have expected, but she got the job done, and all is well. that ends well. Uh, but the other one that really sticks in my mind is Merchant Navy back in 2018 when it won the then Diamond Jubilee. Uh, it had come from Australia having won the Coolmore Really convincingly and running third in a new market, and then yeah, won that race really dominantly, and went on to uh, went to start after that from memory. So um, had a pretty good, pretty good send off.
2: Black Caviar's win is that you remember where you were that night, type of moment, and I remember where I was that night, and I'm sure you guys do as well. But I'm going to go with for my um, my memory takeover target in the 2006. King stand Stakes, and particularly Joe Joe Janiak meeting the Queen. And in that race, it was a field of twenty-eight, so it was a, a massive field. And and Takeover Target led the bunch on the grandstand side and just held on for a for a very brave and close win.
0: All right, that's the show for this week. Now we uh, just I just want to urge the listeners to stay in touch with the show on the socials and via email. We are hoping to have a feature interview next week to close out the series so stay tuned Um, we've got bigger and better things planned for next season as well Phil why don't you take us home as always good luck
1: on the punt and gamble responsibly